Oh, hello, people in podcast land. Welcome back. My guests today are Johnny and Youssef from propanefitness.com, and we are doing our mandatory end-of-year review, also wearing beautiful Christmas jumpers, so head over to the YouTube if you want to see us in all of our festive glory. But yeah, I mean, what a, what a year. Definitely a lot of lessons to take from it, and hopefully they will help you to uh, reframe what 2020 means. So today, expect to learn how Yusuf's insight on the front lines of a hospital has changed his worldview, how Johnny has improved his personal development by removing most of the things that he does, how hot a hot potato can really be, my lessons from spending some time in Dubai and creating a personal breakpoint, and much more. It is really nice to have the boys back. It's such a shame that I can't do it in person at the moment. And I promise as soon as the world opens up that we will do that. I also wanted to take this opportunity to thank everyone that is listening for your support this year. We've grown 450% in like plays and followers. Uh, 22nd best podcast in the UK uh, on the Society and Culture chart as per the Spotify end-of-year review. I think it's probably the number one independent podcast in that chart in the UK. Everybody else is backed by the BBC or some production house or some big studio, and this is just me and Video Guy Dean doing our thing. So thank you massively. I, I, I adore this, and I have some mad, huge, ridiculous plans for 2021, and uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier that you're all going to join me on that journey. All right, quick maths. The less that your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have, the more money that you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce the costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite, and you are improving efficiency by bringing all your business processes into one platform. Over 37 thousand companies have already made the move so do the maths and see how you will profit with NetSuite. Back by popular demand NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com modern right now. That's netsuite.com modern. But for now it's time for the end of your review with Johnny and Youssef. Ladies and gentlemen, Merry Crimbo. Look at us. Look at how lovely we are. Look at this. Get your, get your Christmas jumpers out for the lads. So nice. You always have the classiest Christmas jumpers, Johnny. Look at that. So, it's so, so Abercrombie, Marvel isn't it? Johnny <laughs> duped us last year with the, um, the light-up one. It's broken. You said it was voice-activated, I think. Yeah, that was a bit. So what, yeah, where's that from? That. Is it Hollister? So so this, so the reason I'm wearing this is that Becca has bought all three of us, all three of us, including Dexter, matching Christmas jumpers. So Dexter has the same jumper, slightly smaller, obviously. And then <laughs> Becca also has one. And they're the same, but kind of 
slightly different color themes but yeah, i agree like it's very like you could wear it you could wear it out and just have your, your hand over sort of the reindeer the arm over the reindeer and no one say anything pretty trendy just like oh johnny johnny's just wearing a, one of the jumpers he always wears well it's an annual tradition for us isn't it to wear either ours or if you're yusef your girlfriend's <laughs> christmas jumper <laughs> so pre-roll we had to adjust the neckline because i looked like a christmas steve jobs <laughs> you, you looked like a festive steve didn't you no festive steves come to join us uh so it is christmas end of the year we usually do a little bit of a wrap-up a couple of things that we've experienced a couple of lessons a couple of fails uh, and we might have time for a quick game of bear or bull at the end as well what are you doing there you know what this is no. he's warming the potato chris warming a potato yeah <laughs> Can you throw it to me, Yusef? Can you throw it to me? Chris will have a potato in the pan, <laughs> scolding, right. scolding. It is warm. Sun. It is really warm. Johnny, I know you've got a drink in your hand, but catch. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. Right. First lesson from this year, Blobson. For me. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, the, I think in, obviously, I feel like we need to comment on the fact that it's been a strange year. As in, like, a lot of people have had a very different life this year to normal. And I think the what that's encouraged me to do is, I think I, I entered the year, and you two probably remember this, like, I was constantly adding things to my life. Like, I, I bought, um, I was doing, like, cold showers, breathing, reading, jumping on a trampoline, doing skipping, going for walks, doing Romwad. And I basically just stopped almost all of that. Um, so just trying to... Yusuf and I have spoken a lot this year about 80, the 80-20 principle. And I feel like that's the sort of thing that I like think about a lot, but never actually practice. So I've just tried this year, in, in trying every every area of my life to um, try and do that, get the same by doing fewer things, or even try and do more improve by doing fewer things across everything. So like clothes in the wardrobe, apps on your phone, like everything that you like regularly do think what what could i do to just make this like simpler and easier for myself and i think all that's basically like from the from january 2020 johnny to december 2020 johnny i just do fewer things and just have more like bandwidth is how it feels but what, i've not noticed what's a morning look like now then because you were doing all this stuff jumping on a trampoline and a cold shower and a walk and a romwod and reading and meditation as well probably what's morning now yeah so i just meditate Nothing else. But for longer. I think this is a great lesson. Because we're, we're so wired to look for more stuff, more books to read, more ideas to take on, more methods, more programs, whatever it is that someone's going after. And really, that's never the limiting factor in 2020. <laughs> Squeezing the lemon of what we already have has so much mileage but people are like, oh, no, that's boring. I'm just going to look for the next thing. I think it's just that, that like self-improvement is very additive by nature. Like a lot of people look as like, what's the, you know, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm trying to improve myself, but I still feel anxiety or I still feel like I'm not improving. I need to add something else. And like maybe, I suppose if you're doing absolutely nothing to improve yourself, that probably is the answer. But I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are probably doing lots of different things. And I'm not saying you should do fewer things. But I think the the eighty twenty thing. So we've done a, a lot of that in in business this year, and you do find that eighty percent of the progress comes from twenty percent of the things. Eighty like twenty percent of the 
or like 80 percent of the problems come from come from 20 percent of the things as well so it's like if you just consistently streamline streamline it, i think it's just a, a happier way of of living your life if you obviously you can cut out too many things mm. and slow Do down there's a potential that you might have gone too far with that like just meditation means you're not reading consistently it means that you're not doing any breath work because we know that if you miss the beauty of a morning routine is that it kind of locks in a ton of habits early in the day and ensures mm. that you get them done that's the best for me the the best hack about having a morning routine is it certifies that you do things that you need to get done every yeah. day I suppose the question is, why are you doing the things? I think that's what I've spent a lot of time thinking about. Like, why am I doing Wim Hof? Why am I doing, why am I having a cold shower? Why am I doing, like, what, there's a, there's like you're trying to do something, you're trying to like achieve something or change something with all of it. And I think the, um, the thing that I noticed from, so I suppose this, the second lesson is like test, test something's worth by taking it away for a while and see if you notice anything or see what changes. Because again, it's very different. They're very difficult. If you have a morning routine, you have lots of habits, lots of things you do. You're just adding things in, and you don't know really whether it's the thing that you started a year ago that have been doing every day, or whether it's the thing you added last month that's having the change. So if you stop doing something, it's like ah, oh, I took that away. Like I took Romwood away, for example, and my injury rate was the same. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> the delayed reaction to stopping something and not noticing mm. the decline or the improvement for three months. And then you're yeah. like, what was it? Well, yeah. No. And it's not, I don't think it's the case that like these things do nothing. It's just that there's always a trade off between like, I could do fewer things and achieve largely the same result. And surely that's better just from a, like the number of things you have to manage perspective. Um, but it's probably just, it, it'll be like a, you know, in a year's time, I'll probably have added 10 things in again, right? It's just a phase that, that I'm going through. But I think it's been very helpful this year because it's just a, it's allowed for a very simple structure versus like this time last year, I felt like there was so many things that I was trying to do mm. um, to, to basically just like feel better. We know that uh, at the start of this year, all of us were super, super impressed with how much you'd added in and you were crushing it with this really great routine. So that mm. took quite a bit of agency and some, you know, there's a lot of inertia to get over when adding in even one thing, let alone a whole ton of things. And then yeah. to be able to let go of the tether to that balloon of I've built up this pattern finally, I've actually managed to achieve it. And to then be able to have sufficient agency to, to drop that is like maybe even harder. So I think that that kind of identifies why you're a bit of a motherfucker man like it's just so <laughs> it is it's the same as it's the same as whenever you hear george mack talk about something you're just like fucking hell like this guy just doesn't really seem to deal with obstacles in a negative way he's just happy to see like input process output here's a here's a way around it and that's like i think definitely something you can be proud of this year man like to let go of those tethers on a year where we're all being neurotic as fuck um, mm. I think yeah that that that's awesome. I would I will be interested to see where it goes, and I think you're right as well. We keep on bringing it up. That is it. I always get this wrong, Seth. Is it Goethe that talks about the vacillation between extremes of societies? Uh, is it Height or Hegel? 
Hegel. I think you've confused me now. With oh, this. sorry. I've got it wrong. I, I shit you not about 20 times. But yeah, we, we do vacillate between these things, right? We go from like minimalist to abundance. We go from excess cerebral to excess mindful to excess physical, whatever it might be. Um, and then eventually at the age of 65, you'll have finally sorted your morning routine. Uh, yeah, for the age, of, the age of 65, just wake up and read the paper, don't you? Like it's always you've completed you, it all. You're just like, oh, what's the point of any, any of that? Oh, fucking sick of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking stupid. Um, man, that's that's really awesome. I'm really happy for you this year with regards to that. Thanks. But I think the the lesson for people is like, try not doing something that you think is helping, and see if you're right or not. If you're right, great. It's like try not sleeping for a month. I guarantee you conclude that sleeping is helpful. Don't it's really a great way it. to test the hypothesis, isn't it? <laughs> like, oh, I, I don't think sleep really matters. Like, fine. All right, test right. It. What's, yeah. that, what's that diet where you re- take out tons of stuff with inflammation in and then add them back in one by one? Just the elimination diet. Yes. Basically a personal development routine equivalent of that, right? See, that would be really useful. Because then it sifts all of the marketing claims and people selling their six digit journal and the eight <laughs> eight minute booklet and the five minute filofax and all this stuff. <laughs> five minute filofax. <laughs> That's a good one. I'd buy that. We'd all the problem is that we would all buy would. it. If the five minute filofax came out, we'd all buy it because we'd think it would be the answer. You'd buy it for me and I'd I'd not leave it use on my it. table. Yeah. And um, you'd eventually like read through it like <laughs> uh, right scope what about you lessons lesson number one from 2020 this is more of a vicarious lesson i've seen it in other people because i've got to admit this year for me has been barely any change to my lifestyle <laughs> um, and i think for all three of us just because we're all antisocial bastards um and the work we do either involves being at home anyway, or in my case, being at a hospital, which hasn't changed. But we've seen a massive impact on people's mental health this year. And a lot of it, I think, stems from, in fact, hang on, I don't want to downplay the massive impact of people losing their jobs and um, being alienated from the families and stuff. And that's huge and that's circumstantial, unavoidable. But the other side of it is people not being comfortable in their own company and if you're this has kind of highlighted it where you put someone as johnny said if you you put someone on their own for some time and they very quickly learn how much they like themselves how much they can sit in their own company this is my lesson number two. <laughs> oh no that's <laughs> all right it's okay I've got, it's unbelievable that that's, I, that that would land on that, but I suppose. Well, there we go. I, I can give you that one. I've got. We can just combine. You can just combine it together, right? You can, if you've both converged on this same thing, I think it's probably a pretty big lesson. Fair enough. Yeah. No, no stooges used. There's no trickery. This isn't like we. It's, <laughs> it's not Darren Brown. Yeah. This is, you're seeing this real <laughs> unfold live. So, one of the things that Gary Weber points out is that. Oh, no. <laughs> you can see Johnny's reaction if you're listening. <laughs> Is that the the worst, the highest grade punishment you can give someone, at least in a civilised world, 
is solitary confinement. And Johnny's really upset. No. <laughs> <laughs> the second highest punishment is taking the hot potato. Taking somebody else's lesson of 2020 and stealing it without them knowing. Uh, yeah, so Gary Webber says being on your own. Solitary confinement is one of the worst things you can do because suddenly someone has no distractions available to them. They have to face the crap that they've kind of tucked away all their life and it's just sat there. And so the lesson is to to learn to make peace with that. So it's not a not a quick process. There's no hack. It's just a very long-term habit of taking the tissues out the tissue box and until the tissue box is empty. Just to be fully clear on that, there's no that that's a that's an analogy, right? You're not actually emptying the tissue box and then putting them back in again and then emptying the tissue box. We're gonna have loads of listeners that just go out and buy bulk Kleenex. And like, right, am I gonna be happy yet? What's... So what's the lesson from that? That we need to learn to cultivate the ability to be comfortable in our with ourselves, in our own company. And a lot of people have, have learned to do this this year anyway. It's just accelerated, it's catalyzed that process. Um, but it's so it's been so interesting to see that unfold. You got anything to add there, Blood? So the the there's a study that Gary Weber references um, about. Yeah, I think we might we might even talk about this. So before we came on this podcast, I checked the life hacks list, and I don't think any of us have actually ever said meditation i think we've, we've mentioned apps we've said yeah different particular so ways there's like four four or five apps or what like things to try but the the hack that we've not actually suggested people do regularly is meditation but the the, the study that gary references is they took i think initially university students and put them in a room and they had to sit by themselves for 15 minutes and it was like they found that and so they weren't allowed any devices they weren't allowed to check anything and they, it was incredibly painful for people. <clears throat> so they gave people a bracelet that was attached to a like a strap around their ankle with the option to shock themselves with electric electricity. And over half of the men, I think, opted to shock themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Just like when you think about that, it is insane that someone would rather shock themselves with electricity than sit by themselves for 15 minutes. Truly that, amazing. It's yeah. such a like fourteen year old or like year nine activity as well. Like you're sat there, you've got like a bit of deodorant, you just spray it until you like spray it in your arm. Yeah, burn yeah. Well. <laughs> or doing that thing with a compass where you go like like through your hand. Well, you can have the two man version where you flick pennies at each other across the across the desk. Oh yeah, and then when you do it, you got to hit your knuckles. So I think um, who's the person who said? All of man's problems stem from the fact he can't sit in a room uh, quietly by himself. I think that's a philosophy. It was either Goethe, Hegel, or <laughs> Hegel, probably probably Hegel. Uh, but I'm pretty certain that's thousands and thousands of years old. And part of me wants to blame hyperstimulus and the modern era of devices for ramping our dopamine up that we can't sit in a room on our own. But it seems like that's the sort of thing that's been around for quite a while. I reckon it's worse in this decade than it was. Yeah. Um, do you remember fifteen years ago, you could like you'd turn up for an appointment for something, and you'd sit in the waiting room and you would just be like, so, "Now, if someone does that, they're a psychopath." 
So I really hope that Ben Harrison has listened to this. But if he, he does that. Whenever you meet Ben and he's there before you and you see him like through the window, he's just sat like this. <laughs> just on standby. <laughs> yeah. in, a hold, in a holding pattern. And you look at him and you're like, Ben, that's weird, mate. You can't. Like, I know it's all Get mindful your phone out. Yeah. Stuff, but it's weird. Yeah. You've got to stop doing it. Well, the, the, the number one thing that phones have achieved is they've eliminated boredom. Like nobody is bored anymore. Nobody ever. As long as you've got battery, nobody's bored anymore. Um, And it's a combination of habitual checking in terms of it's actually drilled into your synapses that you go into the pocket, you get the phone out, which is why a great life hack for anyone that wants to reduce their phone time, the simplest one you can do, just keep your phone in the different pocket. So swap the pockets that you have your phone and your wallet in and the number of times that you'll take your wallet out and look at your wallet, and you're like, what an idiot. <laughs> went to Egypt, and he was driving this this banger, and it was obviously left-hand drive. He kept banging his hand off the um, off the wall, off the door. Oh, because he was he reaching to, to get his gear. phone. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, and also, every time he went over a speed bump, the airbag would deploy. <laughs> every time? <laughs> it really it only happens once. <laughs> Yeah, you don't like just not every it time. In. Right. But yeah, he said it was quite sore. Wow. I can imagine. Did he shout into me? Into me. <laughs> uh, any <laughs> any other part, sort yeah. of insights around that, Seth, about the sort of I solitude? Think... Not from the solitude one. I've got another one coming up, which, <clears throat> uh, which may be related. But So just to wrap that one up then, Yusuf, so someone's heard all of that. And they think, yeah, I agree. Like, I've had a lot of this year, like, sat in a room, like, bored by the TV, sat with my thoughts. What, what say, like, right, in 2021, I'm going to try and do something about it. I'm going to. Uh, yeah, so usually if someone hasn't got a handle on this, it's because they're just holding it just at bay, like, just at arm's length the whole time. And the counterintuitive thing is just to let it in, just to do something that does involve total solitude with, you know, as Chris said, put your phone in your other pocket or leave it at home, go for a walk, like do something that really forces you to, to do that. And if you can do something that's full solitude for an extended amount of time, many bouts of solitude become much easier to handle and eventually become actively pleasurable until as cheesy as it sounds, if you can become your own best friend, then you're just having a great time, aren't you? I think this year's definitely highlighted how much people's lives were held up by the scaffolding of not being on their own. Like, fortunately, I put this in a newsletter a couple of weeks ago, introverts have had a competitive advantage in 2020 for the first time in history. Like, almost every extrovert outperforms an introvert because they can network harder, they can spend more time around others. It's kind of what is seen as a more uh, admirable, more desirable trait in other people because it makes them more personable. Uh, and you can just spend more time around other people, so your networking effect multiplies. But this year, that's been stopped. So it's very much been, are you able to recharge your batteries on your own? The problem that I see that links in with phone use is that people have got a confused definition of solitude. Cal Newport's got the most useful definition of solitude that I've ever seen, which is time away from the input of other minds. Now, that's not driving in the car with the radio on, calling a friend every 
so often on a long journey. That's not <laughs> being in your living room watching Netflix whilst double screening on your phone. Like that that's that's the opposite. That's more input from other minds. Like genuine solitude is something that you can learn from, but hiding from that fact, pushing it away, repudiating it by giving yourself this false sense of socialization means that you're not getting the social contact that you desperately desire, but you're also not learning the lesson about solitude and being comfortable with yourself. So certainly progressive overload in terms of that, even if you can just do it 30 minutes at a time, one hour at a time, 90 minutes at a time, you know, like extending that. There's a really good, uh, I think that that's a really good heuristic for what is actual solitude. Cause yeah, if you're just sat calling mates and watching stuff or whatever, then yeah, it's not, not really solitude. It's just um, diluted contact with other people. And I did a video on NoFap recently, which is an internet movement of people that refrain from jerking the gherkin um, so that they can improve their dopamine sensitivity and and they're claiming all these kind of huge benefits that um, that they get psychologically and physiologically. And I was saying in the video that a lot of the big benefits people get are because they're going from a pathological state to a normal state. And that's what's causing this this big change and that most people probably wouldn't get such a big improvement from it something i do think people will all get a big improvement from and that's because we're all pathological with it is this idea you said of like double screening and like even when even netflix alone something that's designed for like compulsive retention is not enough to trigger all those dopamine receptors so you have to then get a second screen out like we are mental <laughs> and so i think doing that repeatedly makes us so desensitized to dopamine I'm simplifying but to to the reward circuitry that when we're just with another person that's not enough it doesn't doesn't scratch that itch and so we end up then having to like be with another person but also on our phones and i think people of our age like we recognize it's rude and so we don't do it but when you see like teenagers together like you know when you, you know every city especially like cities like newcastle liverpool leeds that have like a casper's ice cream shop it's like a next to next to it's it's always outside of a place called the green isn't it yeah exactly (laughs) and there's like pink neons black leather sofas and like 30 flavors of ice cream you all you see like groups of 18 year old kids all sat like in silence on their phones yeah like wow well the 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 mad thing at the beginning of this year which i said in the first covid episode that we did was I took a like undue amount of pleasure from other people struggling with the challenge of working from home. Like I was like, oh, like, ah, welcome to the already. fucking party. Welcome to this. And then I realized after a little bit of time that that was my own projection. Like I, I shouldn't take pleasure in other people entering my nightmare. Like that's not a thing. Um, but that's what I was doing. Um, and, and after a little bit of time, I realized, right, okay, no, be, be a bit more fucking noble and virtuous than that. But very much so, like, this is this is a pill that we all had to swallow a long time ago. And maybe there might be some other entrepreneurs or sort of working from homers who have felt this for a long time. And then this year, it was like, like, put me in, coach. Like, this is my time. And... Yeah, it's been an interesting year of reflection. Definitely people becoming more comfortable in solitude. It should have expedited it because you haven't had any choice. 
Like you've had to do it. And for a lot of people, that's probably something that they can take away. Yeah, there's been a lot of negatives that have come about this year, but you've learned to be on your own. Like that's definitely one positive I think you can take. 100%. What's your lesson from this year, Chris? Oh, yeah. Uh, First one is the power of rest. So classic type A personality, do more, get more done. Um, Even though I took the essentialism red pill this year, and decided to do less in terms of breadth, that gave me more capacity to do more in terms of depth. So the total amount of time that I spent working wasn't reduced. It was just the number of projects that I worked on. That was constrained heavily by the fact that my main business events has stopped. Um, But that just gave me even more time to work on doing whatever it was that I fucking did. Um, And I put this again in a newsletter a couple of weeks ago. The trip to Dubai gave me such an unbelievable sense of perspective. Uh, It was nothing as lovely as Dubai is. It was nothing special about Dubai, but it was about the fact that I had this change in working routine in a year where everybody has felt like it's Groundhog Day over and over again. You're looking at the same four walls. You get up, There's you haven't got five weddings to go to. You haven't got a barbecue. You haven't got somebody's birthday. There's nothing. There's there's no, I, I haven't even been ill this year because I haven't seen anyone. I haven't got I haven't got sick because like who the fuck's going to infect me like we're hiding from a pandemic. So upon going away it reminded me of something I learned from Ollie Ollerton who was in the SAS uh, and he had this idea called a breakpoint so you can imagine before the uh, operatives enter a room or breach a building they'll stack up outside of the door outside of the entrance so they'll've already landed at the near the objective and then either like fought or snuck their way through and then they'll get outside and they'll take a moment to just reset breathe, slow down a little bit, consider what the objectives are, and then they'll go. And that period of calm between two periods of intense chaos was what I termed a personal breakpoint. It's called a breakpoint in the special forces. And I termed it a personal breakpoint for me while I was in Dubai. And it just forced me to come back. And I think this links in with what you were saying, Johnny, about kind of really giving a first principles look at your routines and thinking like, right, okay, is this serving me? Does this actually make my life any better or am I just doing it because I've always done it? Even if it was once good, like we can talk about kind of the first level, like basic bitch, mate, you drink three times a week because your mates do. But then Mm -hmm. even taking that into something which has been the uh, horse of Troy snuck in by uh, it being something that was good once. Breathwork did serve me at one time. Cold showers did serve me at one time. Getting up at 5.30 a.m. every day and going for a walk did serve me at one time. But does it now? My requirements are different. My routine is different. My life is different. And then, you know, that consistent checking of whether the things that you are doing serve you can only be facilitated when you've had a break from it because it permits you to have that perspective and clarity around things. And very much I came back and it was the happiest I'd been at home in maybe even years. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, it was it was it was unbelievable, man. I obviously was super inquisitive about like what the fuck's going on. That I've come back from a place that was thirty two degrees every day of glorious sunshine to somewhere where I can't leave the house, and it's got about eight hours of daylight, most of which is grey. Like, why why am I so happy being back home? And I, I honestly think it was because I got to see a life that I've crafted for myself with new eyes and think very much, it was well-timed as well going into a new year, to think about, okay, what do I want 
to try and achieve next year, but from first principles, not just what do I want to carry over that I'm already doing or do something that I already do a little bit better. Like genuinely, what do I want to do? And it gave me this kind of, yeah, a very um, liberated sense of uh, bottomless potential for next year. So have a break, micro and macro. Yeah. It comes into what you said about, said last year on this uh, 2019 podcast of Chris Sparks' idea of nothing gets grandfathered in, everything is up for sale. Yeah. Just because you've been doing something, whether you think it's good or think it's bad, it has to get re-examined and say, right, <clears throat> should I continue this habit or this project or whatever? Yeah. Did you find that you got the same amount of work done in Dubai? Like, did you still get the like the key work done in spite of like I presume working fewer hours? Um, the key work, yes. I, I can't pretend that I was working on the probably the long term important on the cusp of important but not urgent because mm. inevitably there are some things that will take you away from that. There's a boat party on tonight. There's a MK's playing at a pool. There's whatever's happening. We're going out for dinner. I'm going for a walk. I'm cycling the desert. Um, but the stuff that keeps everything ticking over, I kept on top of perfectly fine. And had I have been there for longer and it not had a defined endpoint that we pushed back by a week, but uh, had a defined <laughs> endpoint to it, um, perhaps I would have forced myself to do that stuff but for instance the, the next lead magnet that i want to do for the newsletter is 151 books to read before you die like i was not going to start that project while i was out there it's got no defined deadline to it it's slightly confusing and messy to begin there's a lot of inertia to get over there was no way i was going to begin that while i was out there but i kept recording i kept on a recording schedule uh i kept meditating while i was out there i kept on doing my rehab for my achilles all that stuff I think the there's something that I've I've found like not necessarily this year but like on in years where you you're traveling going like three weddings in a week um are sometimes the most for us like we'll have like the most profitable week ever in in propane and I've worked some of the fewest hours and you look at it and you're like fuck sake you know like I, all these weeks where I sit and like hammer away at the at the trying to push the boulder up the hill when there's just a rate that it's going to move. And no matter how hard you push is, is a, a nice reminder to say that actually I can just take, I can just stop work and have the, have the rest of the day off or I can take the weekend and not check my emails or whatever. Um, but I think that's harder and harder to do when there's fewer. So the average person at home this year hasn't had the, what the fuck the, else is there to do the, the, the <laughs> desert to go and cycle yeah, or the, the beach party to go to. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, I think a lot of people I know have, have just let work, like fill everything because mm. it's either work or Netflix, sleep, work, Netflix, sleep. Um, I think it's, it's about matching the personality type of the person to the recommendation, which you, you kind of had tipped to before, which is that if you're a type A hard driving overachieving personality, then you need to engineer in work into your day. Whereas if you naturally gravitate to sloth then you need to create structure to do the work. Um, interestingly, someone called Neve, who listens to the Modern Wisdom podcast and got in touch with me as a result, asked me to do a talk at my hospital um, wow. for junior pharmacists and junior doctors on like life hacks for sort of clinical life hacks. And one of them was go for a poo. <laughs> so bear with me. <laughs> 
it's but when when you're on a an, an on-call shift which is where you are covering the entire hospital out of hours for 13 hours um it's a long shift and it's basically your your adrenal glands are just slowly getting nipple crippled for the whole 13 hours so you're getting a phone call every like 30 to 30 to 60 seconds and you've been asked to do loads of stuff and you're just getting like slammed kind of relentlessly and if you just go from one job to the next without that personal break point you just you, your cortisol is just going to go mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you you do just have to stop and have a poo and be like you know what i'm allowed a poo like this job contract what if you don't need says, one <laughs> even if you don't need one you can just just sit and have a have a shampoo you know how you have the, the sham surgery with Stu mcgill yeah do the same thing so you prep as if you're going for a poo pants you down. go into the cubicle do you have to wipe afterward that's a good question <laughs> If you want me to believe it, if you want me to believe your shampoo was a real poo, shampoo. It should be a, a shampoo, Johnny. Shampoo. It's actually really dangerous having a poo in a hospital toilet because the emergency buzzer is next to the toilet roll and it's a it's a long cable and it's really sensitive. Uh, I've pulled stuff like that before in the past. And then Loads like the security time. come bursting in. When you're in anaphylaxis. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've yanked a red cord like that before in a steam room, thinking that it was the like the thing for more, more steam. steam. <laughs> this is um, a more well, steam cord. <laughs> and, a, and a woman with like a like a box ran into the steam room. A defibrillator. It was just like I think a box of like miscellaneous like plasters. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. What are you gonna do with that? <laughs> I'm gonna bandage Bad you up. Passed out. You're gonna put a plaster on my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. Go, uh, so go yeah, that th- that was um basically working more can deliver less output as well is kind of a subset of that that it it's the sort of thing that you hear everybody say but you're like yeah 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 but that's for people who don't don't actually know what they're talking about. Like no 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 no. It's not just diminishing returns that you get from work. You genuinely can do work which is so bad or move so slowly that across a week you will deliver less output by yeah. working more. If you decide to undersleep yourself, over-caffeinate yourself, create work which is motivationally so subpar that it makes you feel bad the next day, you don't want to do work. Honestly, just having some sort of rule. I know that like a hard stop can often be difficult because the stop can come at a time which is awkward within the workflow, especially if you finally found focus after fighting to, to get a hold of it for the last few hours. Um, but finding a point and saying, right, okay, like that's enough for today. Like, congratulations, well done. And then giving yourself genuine rest time away from that. The David Allen quote, your ability to deploy power is directly proportional to your ability to relax. That's a, that's not a power lifter. That's a man who does productivity for a living. Um, so yeah, that, that, I guess you're totally right. That's the micro and the macro. Um, I definitely think that a personal break point as a prescription needs to be longer than a week. I don't think that you can get the benefits from a personal breakpoint by doing a holiday which has no resemblance to your normal life or a trip away which is just work in a new place that's exactly the same. The whole the whole point is that everything changes except for the core elements of your life. And that actually goes back to what you said, Johnny, where you were like, All right, did you get work done across the board? And I didn't, but I got the skeleton done, which is what 
is the the minimum viable product. It's like that what I have to do each week, which meant that everything else was up for sale in the uh, Chris Sparks example. Like nothing gets grandfathered in except for obviously the stuff that needs to be grandfathered in. Like obviously I need to eat. Obviously I'm going to train. Obviously I'm going to do, you know, the projects that actually matter to me. Well, you have to do those things, but the way that you eat or the way that you train is up for, is up for sale. Right, yeah. Johnny, next, next. Oh, no, your second lesson well, well, has I've, been popped, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, my, sec- my second lesson was just um, meditation, which is a really simple one. I was just, I was saying it isn't in life hacks list. Um, I think it was Yusuf that put me onto it originally. And then you put me in touch, Chris, with a Brian. meditation teacher. Yeah. Um, and like even the, um, so like I suppose all of what we're saying, like the sitting alone thing and the, even like, knowing when to take a rest and all these sorts of things it just it just comes back to like awareness of of yourself awareness of how you feel everyone gets to sort of towards the end of the day and thinks i'm not getting anything done now but i'm still gonna like sit here and just like hit my head off a laptop and hope that hope that something comes of it yeah um but having like a formal practice like that i think is it's just the best way to get better at that like when do i need to stop when am i feeling anxious what is feeling anxious like I don't have to identify with being anxious just because I have this sensation. You know, just having a practice like that that becomes like a really, I think take, I've, I've taken that a lot more seriously this year, where I've previously done like ten minutes here, fifteen minutes there. Whereas now it's like the first thing I do, just because I do. I think it's like having a good night's sleep. You know, when you you wake up having having had a really good night's sleep and you just you compared to any other day, it's not even close in terms of like the decisions you make, the way that you feel. I think after doing a long meditation session i feel the same way which is a recent thing didn't used to happen like that so i think it's just a compounding hundreds of hours situation but what's your current practice i'm going to guess that you're following brian's fight well it's shinzen young's five ways to know yourself through brian <laughs> sounds like such a five ways to know like yourself a... through brian yeah like a the meditation accelerator like get to know yourself the five ways by brian yeah um so it's a bit of that it's a bit it's i've been following um so this is this is taken from ben again who's mr meditation who i know has recommended this to me and you there's a film called chasing the present where this guy interviews like um so i mean gary Webber's the the big name in the um, og in the, in the film but a lot of his stuff like the self-inquiry stuff i've been doing so he's got some guided sessions online some of the Shinzen Young stuff like the noting practice of like is it visual or somatic or or audible um just that really um but I think the thing I I spend too too long getting caught up in like the method or like program hopping and not enough time in just doing I need to just do 30 minutes a day like I just need to do enough time for this to actually make a difference um I think hearing Gary say it needs to be like a minimum 35 minutes is a real like <laughs> like it's not very 10, 10 minutes for 10 days headspace is it it's he basically a, says like you're wasting your time if you're doing less than 35 minutes you're just like oh gary oh, God, gary we've all got real lives <laughs> leave me alone mate yeah stop making me anxious <clears throat> um but yeah i think he's done like twenty thousand hours or something Motherfucker. Of, of mindfulness practice but now just has no has no thoughts yeah he's the guy that switched off his default mode network isn't he this is what i love about gary Weber because he fully puts his money where his mouth is. Like Skin he's been a researcher and participant in a lot of the Harvard functional neuroimaging studies where he's just like, yeah, put me through an fMRI and his brain 
just does not work like other people's brains. The thing I, I think I like any activity when you Sorry. talk about this about having no thoughts, he's like, I say most of the time because it it sounds more believable. And like when I'm tired and and stuff like they do occasionally come back, but most of the time, like you can use thoughts for problem solving and things like that. But there's no like blah 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 oh. going on constantly. I just love how he admits that like if he's feeling a bit groggy, he occasionally has, has a thought. thought. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas most people when they're feeling a bit tired are just drowning in like and he has the occasional like that's not gonna work I'm like oh that's shit oh this is gonna go badly it's like, oh. yeah, it's like when, when my blood sugar is a bit low uh, <laughs> they can <laughs> they can occasionally re-emerge so, he, so I think like the chasing the present film is a guy who had or has like material success, he just outwardly is a, is your average like millennial, I suppose, who has all these things go well for him and then realizes like, hold on, I still feel terrible. Like I still worry all the time. I still don't feel at ease with myself. So he just goes on this huge journey and interviews loads of like big names in in uh, the meditation world. Really good film. So if anyone wants like a where is it? Amazon Prime. Intro, ben sent it to me on YouTube pro or youtube paid for whatever that's called but i'm sure it must be on amazon it must be elsewhere as well um but yeah so that's not really a life hack but i just noticed that meditation's not in the life hacks guide there's just loads of ways to, to track meditate. meditation well, that says it all that it's such a a taken an assumed thing it's, yeah. we just presume like what you're not meditating every day what's wrong with you um well, yusuf it was yusuf who said to me in liverpool after we got out of lift and said, like, stop being a dick about it and just do 30 minutes a day for 10 days, and you tell me that you don't feel any different. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's because Johnny was was following, like, the atomic habits method of, like, starting at two minutes, building up to four minutes a day, and, oh, and whoa, I think... Oh, whoa, whoa, three minutes. Three, three, then four, <laughs> sorry. Um, and I think for a lot of habits, it that can work. Um, but I think when a habit has a minimum effective dose, like meditation... It could be counter. It could be counterproductive because you're then doing all of the the boring bit without the the benefit. Yeah. Do you do you believe yourself? And, I, and we'll move on after this because I'm aware I've spoken about meditation a lot. But do you believe that 30 minutes, like the Gary Weber thing of if you're doing 15, it's literally pointless? I don't think it's literally pointless, but it. So Gary's purpose of meditation is to quiet the mind enough to do the self inquiry and fully uproot the the illusion of self. Like that's the so so the meditation is almost a means to an end for him. I see. Um, whereas you will still get the benefits of time under tension with meditation from doing small amounts of it. But I also think it's so I, I don't think it's as much of like a as a switch, but it's like um, training. If someone's if someone's doing six minutes of training a day, they'll get maybe a bit of benefit if that training is like super dialed in and absolutely perfect and really consistent but it's kind of making it difficult for themselves compared to the guy who trains an hour three times a week and goes deep with it what if the six minutes is just burpees for time well, that's what i mean yeah if it's like right. do, do you mean are you saying because it's like no no i was just, I was just unpl- <laughs> whenever i think of like how would i make training as hard as possible for i think there was a crossfit open workout or there was a crossfit workout which was just seven seven minutes, minutes, seven minutes of, of burpees. burpees yeah I can think of, I can honestly think of nothing worse. Yeah. Training wise, that's as bad as it gets. Yeah. L- lesson two, scope. 
Lesson two is that 2020 has been the year of the confidently wrong. So this is basically from all of the kind of online health experts and so on, just coming out of the woodwork and preying on people's health anxiety or or fears, um, not helped by media and so on that's that's basically been like scaremongering the whole time and selectively using um claims or stats to like really send the shits up people to keep them in the house which which like you know it has a it has a policy purpose but there are um there's definitely people that have tried to capitalize on that and they're either knowingly wrong or they're unknowingly wrong and so this is like people selling immune boosting supplements online or um like we we once saw someone selling an anti-cancer diet and you know all this kind of thing and you're seeing people repeatedly make predictions about what's going to happen in the next month and then they might even be high profile people that are then shown to be like dramatically wrong and the lesson really is to hold your opinions lightly i think this is a lesson that i've internalized quite a lot um, and I think it's been caused by having my anus handed to me a few years ago from big trading losses. And that's because trading is the abstracted version of this. Like, yes, you're just looking at a line on a screen, but that that's like the perfect way to distill that down to the pure emotional rawness of being wrong. Because you can invest all your ego into like oh no it's definitely going to go up now like after and then you you like you go sunk cost fallacy and you invest your like your your energy into it and you're like oh no but it's definitely because you're seeing patterns that aren't really there and then the market just keeps hitting you with pain until you learn the lesson and so by doing that you end up realizing actually i have to hold my opinions lightly not you know just for the sake of keeping my ego in check but because I'm going to be hit with pain if I don't. So I think that it was a great teacher and it applies to everything else that if you're able to quickly change your um, opinion on something based on new evidence, then you're never going to be stuck in a losing position. I think the problem is, especially with social media, certainty is conflated with truthfulness or expertise. Yeah. So someone that's absolutely hard in the paint about one particular point, I, I keep using this example, but it was just so fucking flagrant, I couldn't believe it. Joe Biden said at the beginning of this year that stopping Chinese people coming into the country was xenophobic, and then two and a half months later said that the travel restrictions were entered too late. It's like, dude, you do not get to fucking do that. You don't get to do that. Like, you're supposed to be the vanguard of statement-like truthfulness and honesty. And the problem is that I, I, I don't know why. Perhaps the media team say, actually, mate, if you were to track back on that and identify that you were wrong, it shows in the polls that people are going to lose faith in you or something like that. But that, that's only if you're so basic that you can only hold one thought in your, in your mind at a time. Like, if your mental ram is so constricted that like a goldfish, you can only remember the last thing that this person said and not frame it against the things that they said before. But perhaps this is me being a 
a dickhead. Perhaps uh, reputation on the inter- the internet is additive with a time limit rather than multiplicative across time. I don't know. Additive with a time limit rather than multiplicative. So imagine if you multiplied by zero, you'd end up with a big fat zero. If you say something which is just totally, totally wrong and then decide to multiply it by something else which is totally wrong, you're just at zero. Whereas what it might be is it's just zero plus zero plus zero plus one. And you're like, oh, look at me, I'm at a one. And everyone's forgotten all of the fucking zeros in any case. Oh, I see. Yeah, so so I think the 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 memory span of the feed and all of that stuff is very short. Yes, you'll get the occasional person be like, "Oh, but you said back in March this," and but also the the whole system, as you said, the polls and the algorithms and everything are all they don't reward nuance and restraint, which is what every true expert has because they they realize how little they know and they're like, "Well, you know, it could be okay," but. Um, and they reward people who are certain and promote um, outrage in the comments. And yeah, the the media thing's a big one. Like I was um, in the hospital the other day. One of the staff was like, "Yeah, doctor, are you having the COVID vaccine?" And I was like, "Well, maybe, but um, well, m- most likely yes." But you know, I, I don't want to be one of the first guinea pigs. But she was like, "I saw on Facebook they gave it to a bunch of African kids, and all died." <laughs> and I, <laughs> okay. When did you see that? It was on Facebook. I'll you like. Okay, Janice. I mean, there's there's some degree of nuance between those two opinions. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know what to say about it, man. It, it like makes me viscerally uncomfortable. Like the level of, like especially Facebook this year. The the nail in the coffin of Facebook has been COVID twenty twenty. Like. It's just a cesspool of people who haven't got... Do you remember when everyone was adamant that the army was being deployed to London to lock people in their houses? Do you remember that? <laughs> when people were sharing, oh, well, uh, my my cousin is uh, I, I actually is part of the Reserve Armed Guard for the 14th Northumberland Division, uh, and, and he sent... And it was like forwarded through like a million WhatsApp groups. And you're like, what is this? It's like a guy wearing his kit walking down a street it's not the the impetus no for yeah. It's picture. martial law's not being fucking deployed. So the, this this is funny because people believe that more than they believe the immediate stuff. Because a friend of a friend is like, like my brother is still convinced that um, doctors are shills putting um, putting COVID on death certificates of people that didn't have it and to bump up the numbers. And I I said to him like, you realize I I work in a COVID hospital and I've not put that on a death certificate for like seven or eight months and he was like oh yeah but that's because you're too junior like it's the seniors that are getting paid off to do it you're like no because it, it's us that do it and also like, i wish i was being paid off by big farmer because well, how fucking currently... well co- orchestrated would this uh, conspiracy have to be like how many people would they need to keep quiet about this the that... thing is like i i'm not being paid anywhere near enough i would love to to have a little side side pack from not really but it's the same thing as like when darren brown's like i don't use stooges and people are like oh he definitely uses stooges like the the tightness of his network for him to use stooges and not one of them just go to the daily mail and go i'm a darren brown stooge and that's darren brown (laughs) so then think like imagine all of the healthcare system in the world is in on this huge thing the number of people that have to be sufficiently paid off to not one of them just go to the media and go, 
here's all the evidence. Or tell their wife like, here, or do or whatever. Here's me being told to do this. They'd get a big yeah. old payout, wouldn't they? Yeah. It's, it's, Unless it's Darren Brown has threatened their family. But but this is what I mean. Individually. Like, this, yeah, so that like the lengths you'd have to go to to get to get everybody on board. And that's just Darren Brown. I mean, he'll just use mind magic. Is there so a is is there a heuristic that you use for people online scope? Obviously, like you've identified this problem, which is people being confidently wrong. Um, certainly, uh, Jordan Peterson in one of the interviews, which where he it wasn't with Kathy Newman, it was when they sent Kathy Newman away, put her on like a, a really big course of steroids and got her to do five three one, and she came back with like research and a new haircut, and it, she worked oh, for GQ. Yeah, I remember that. Um, it was like, ah, oh, you idiot, you haven't seen my final form. And <laughs> then he, he basically said, um, if I can take one of your opinions and from that one opinion predict everything else that you believe, there's something very, very wrong here because you shouldn't take your opinions wholesale. They should be piecemeal. So that's an identifier yes. that I would use. Look, is this person just basic bitch 101 conspiracy left right with absolutely no nuance but that's difficult to tell online like what what do you that's use a really good um way of looking at it that that the world is not doesn't fit into one ideology or category so if someone only has opinions that have that flavor there's a big red flag there isn't there um and so because it shows that they just haven't thought of themselves they've just taken it so yeah my the way i filter that is um for example i i was like i'm supposed to be a representative for healthcare and i don't really know much about the vaccine so i need to look at some of the data so i will i'll never i'll just never go to anything that sniffs of social media i just have to look at the original sources um i just don't think that any of the filtered down stuff that's getting to social media is ever going to be accurate or well obviously there's the there's a stopped clock is right twice a day but to try and find that in social media is so hard um there was a good podcast for the layman if anyone's interested in kind of understanding this stuff with peter atia and a guy who is on the board for the fda approval of vaccines um with like and this is his his special area and he's worked in drug approval and everything and he talks through in a very systematic way um some of the the mechanisms and processes there so i would go to things like that it's a lot of work. That's the problem. It's significantly easier to read a tweet, take it as true, and then start broadcasting it to everybody else or retweet it or tell tell your parents. Going and doing yeah. research and actually having to think for yourself is hard, which is why most people there's, choose There's a really good video refrain. of um, people going, this guy going around like a Trump rally, and he's asking people, they've all got their hats on and stuff, and he's like, so um, what do you think of the allegations about Trump's thingy and the transcript? And they're like, think for yourself read the transcript that's all i gotta say and they're like oh have you read the transcript no i i haven't got time for that kind of thing he's like oh, okay how long did you wait in the queue to get to this protest and they're like seven hours he's like, oh seven hours okay a lot of free time <laughs> okay <laughs> but think for yourself yeah and read the transcript that's funny yeah you've not read the transcript no no cool <laughs> we are running up against my time limit guys Sadly. Well, I'm going to have to do my second lesson, and uh, we'll finish it there. Uh, we were going to play a little game of bear or bull, but we'll save that for next year. If you do have any bears or bulls, basically topics that you want to hear, whether or not we're bearish or bullish, i.e. negative or positive about and why, uh, just send them to me or put them in the comments, and uh, we will be doing an episode next year. Uh, so my final one 
was a lesson that I learned, I guess, from my injury, uh, which is you're more resilient than you know. And I think this probably actually extrapolates out across a lot of people this year. Um, you know, sadly, there's going to be some people who were with us at the beginning of 2020 who aren't going to be with us in 2021 uh, because of the pandemic. And the same goes for businesses. The same goes for relationships and financial investments and bank accounts and all the rest of it. But for the people who are still here and are listening to this, you're still here. Like all of the things that you thought this year that were going to absolutely annihilate your life, all of the worries you had that didn't come to fruition or did come to fruition but didn't end up finishing your world, like you are still here. And that was kind of brought front and center for me when I ruptured my Achilles. I presumed that my constitution as someone who's had depression in the past and sometimes just has catastrophic thoughts, I just thought I'm going to deal so badly with this. This is going to be... It's just going to set in motion a downstream fucking like nightmare. And what ended up happening was, yeah, it was uncomfortable. And there was a couple of periods of like just sheer suffering when I was dealing with stomach cramps from opiate constipation for three days solid, unable to sleep, eat, go to the bathroom and doing all of that with one leg was like a, a particular low light. But all of those things that I went through very quickly just reset my expectations. And with sufficient stoicism and a little bit of mindfulness, I actually found like so much more fortitude in myself that I didn't even know existed. And that's kind of put a lot of faith in me for what I might be like moving forward. Because I, I genuinely opened a door inside of myself in a house I've lived in my entire life to a room that I didn't know existed. And I was like, holy fucking shit, like, where's this fortitude and resilience come from? And it was just like, when it was called, when it was required, it, it came type thing. Um, and that ties in nicely with realizing just how little of our own internal motivations and the fact that our consciousness gets to see this tiny, tiny, tiny little blinkered sliver of what our true motivations are and what we're actually able to be aware of is so much less than the elephant that we're sat on the back of from a mental perspective. And yeah, realizing that all tied together for me to think like, stop being so cerebral about things. You can't be a reductionist utilitarian about absolutely every different potential permutation that's going to occur in life. You are far more resilient than you know. And if you need it, it will be there. And because of that, the person that you are now when you're worrying and the person that you are if the incident that you're worrying about occurs are essentially totally different have faith that the future you is going to be able to deal with whatever's going to come. Have faith that the future you will pay the bill, make the business work, regain the client, fix the relationship, get over the relationship, fix the Achilles, deal with the opiate constipation, whatever it might be. Like All of those things came together to make me sort of really reassured that everybody's constitution is far stronger than, than they know, and specifically mine. And I'm like, a really, really good example of somebody who I think, who I thought would be terrible in that sort of a situation, and I managed to get through it. So yeah, that was, um, you are more resilient than you know. Nice. Yeah, that is <laughs> very good. I, I like the idea of discovering a room in your house that yeah. you didn't know was there. I just hope I don't do my Achilles. I wouldn't advise it. Well, I mean, as a personal development strategy, it was effective, but not necessary. Like, I wish that I hadn't had to do it to realize it, but, you know, in terms of... If you'd done a sham Achilles, 
that would have been better. Like, oh, he still no! white. Yeah, but he's still got to wait. Gentlemen, I, I really appreciate it. It's been a, a year where we've probably not seen each other, probably the least we've seen each other in, in forever, and in maybe even spoken as well, which is a shame, but hopefully hopefully next year that'll change. And uh, I, I value both of your friendships. I value the fact that you're both in my life, uh, as I always do. Uh, propanefitness.com slash modernwisdom to find out the seven things you won't believe about how to build an online business and propanefitness.com slash calculator if you want to get your macros sorted. Did I, did I get it right? You did? Yeah, you, did. you could even just go to propanefitness.com. Oh, okay. That would be easier. Don't do that one. Chris, it's been a pleasure. It has, yeah. Thanks for having us back on, man. We're going to do it more. We just need... I need to get a hold of you guys. It's significantly easier when we can sit us down in a living room because we can get multiple episodes out. I can't yeah. wait until we can do that again. I know, man. I got my... I got my um, couch like re-upholstered as well yeah yeah it's so much more comfortable it was all flaccid before it's and now it's very turgid um, it's just ready like beckoning us to enter, and enter. Yeah. Uh, look gents thank you uh, have a good Christmas and to everybody that is listening Merry Christmas as well uh, I will see you in a couple of days actually Chris Sparks coming on to talk about how to do the ultimate end of year review uh, so it's a very timely episode, so stay tuned for that one. As we've already said, all the stuff from Propane Fitness, if you're an online coach, go and check them out, and uh, they will teach you how to transition online or to improve your online business as it is. For now, gents, Merry Crimbo. 